Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. The title of my message is The Name of Jesus, and it's the gift that keeps on giving. Amen? Amen. And uh, we're just, you know, so excited about this Christmas season and, and uh, you know, all that God's doing in this house. I can't tell you how excited I am. You know, I remember when we first started the church 25 years ago, how excited and how much anticipation I had in my heart to see what God was going to do. And I have more excitement, more anticipation in my heart now than I ever have before. And it's just going to get better and better and better and better, especially for the people of God who choose to put him first in their lives. Here in, first, uh, in Matthew chapter 1, starting with verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After the mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, say just man. I tell you, that's a message in itself. You know, I, I, you know we ought to just take some time, maybe one day I will, and just talk about what does it mean to be a just person. But because he was just and not wanting to make a public example, that's a just person person doesn't want to point out other people's faults. A person wants to, a just person, wants to cover up people's faults. And so he thought, you know, because she was with child, as most of us would, until we had some instruction from the Lord, he thought she'd been fooling around with somebody else. And so he, he didn't want to make a public example of her, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about it, these things uh, while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, this man needed to know the word of God, too, didn't he? Didn't he need to know the word of God? <laughs> didn't he need to know that the Messiah was going to come through a virgin? Sure he did. She will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took him his wife. And he did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. You know, the greatest gift that God has given us is Jesus. But understanding that gift and the purpose of why Jesus came is more important. You know, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? And Peter said, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Peter got some revealed revelation knowledge of who God was. And this is where we're at today. We need to have a better understanding of who is God. And not only who is God, but who he is to us. My wife and I will be celebrating 37 years next month today of marriage 
Amen. And, you know, every day we're re we really work at knowing each other even better. You know, it, didn't, it wasn't like, you know, I got married 37 years ago and said, well, I know who you are and just forgot about her. <clears throat> what kind of marriage would that be if I just said, well, I know who you are. I married you, didn't I? No, I spend time and I work at, and so does she, we work at knowing each other, <clears throat> getting to know who we are. You know, it's important because we change. Well, you know, God never changes, but we change. And we need to get to know God on a regular basis, on a better, intimate, more intimate level. Because when we get to know God, as we get to begin to know him, we get to begin to know what we can expect from him. You know, John 3.16 says it like this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe upon him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And we often think of everlasting life as going to heaven when we die, and we will go to heaven when we know Jesus if we die. It's not what we know, it's who we know that gets us to heaven. But eternal life is described to us in John 17.3, when the Word of God says this is eternal life, this is everlasting life, and that is to know the one and true God. And this is why Jesus came to this earth, so that we could be reconnected to the Father, so that we could walk with him, so that we can know him, so that we can experience his love. I really appreciate what Pastor Vicky did earlier. Why don't you wrap your arms around yourself and say, you know what, I love me. You know, God loves you more than you love yourself. You know, and when we get away from the fear of man, what people think about us, and really focus on who, what God says about us, what God believes about us, and we take our security from who he says we are and what his word says we are, it won't matter what man says. It won't matter what anybody thinks. What will matter is what God says. And what God says is more important than what anybody else says. There are facts out there, but the truth always overrides the facts. And it doesn't really matter what man says, and it really doesn't matter where you've come from, and it doesn't really matter what you've done in the eyes of God. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are redeemed and washed in the blood of the Lamb. So don't drag yourself through the mud anymore. Drag yourself through the blood of Jesus Christ and receive the redemption love that he has for you and know that he loves you with an everlasting love. He's given you a gift that keeps on giving. He wants you to know that you are his beloved and he has the very best for you. And this is why it's so important that we begin to receive God's love because as we begin to receive God's love, and, and understand his nature for our own lives, then we begin to understand that God did that just for us, and our opinion of ourselves begin to change, and we position ourselves to be able to receive all the blessing that God has for us. Amen. Jesus said this in John 17, and I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible. I'm not praying for them, and he was referring to the disciples, but also for those who believe in me because of them about me. Other words, he's saying, I'm praying for those who are going to come after the disciples. How many of you have come after the original disciples? How many of you know that the word of God will not return void? 
How many of you know that the word of God, God's watching over his word to perform him, and as long as his word is being ministered, and as long as his word is being preached, you know what? We have the opportunity to see his word manifest in our lives. And this is what he's referring to. Because of them and their witness about me, the goal is for all of them to become one heart and mine. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so that they might be one heart and mind with us. You know, Jesus is saying this, I want them all to be so unified. What does Psalms 133 say? It tells us that blessed are, are those who are in unity, for the blessing of the Lord will come down from heaven upon us. That's what it says, and he said, and there I will command the blessing." Now, all of us have different, you know, uh, likes and different tastes. But you know what? We can be unified in this one thing, and that is Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the most important thing we can be unified in. The second thing we can be unified is, is let God love you as an individual. Tell your neighbor, let God love you as an individual. Let God love you. Let God baptize you in his love. Let God baptize you in his spirit again. Let God baptize you in his presence. Because, you know, when you begin to understand that if God before you and God is with you, you'll know that nobody could ever come against you again. You'll know that you'll, you'll go to bed a conqueror and you will wake up a victorious uh, person every morning. You'll know that no matter what you face today, that God be for you, who can be against you, and you will be an overcomer in this life. You know, and the greatest thing that we have to overcome is the fears that we allow to come into our own minds, into our own souls. And a lot of those fears are generated by what we think other people think about us. You know, the first thing we usually do when we wake up in the morning is that we usually look in the mirror and we look at ourselves and ask ourselves, what do we look like? And as a result of asking ourselves, what do we look like, we begin to think, well, what other people will think if we look like this? Come on. You know, let's just be real. You know, our subconscious mind starts working. You know, I hope I look good enough to go to work. I hope I look good enough, you know, go to go shopping. I hope I look good enough to go. You know, one of the things I tell my wife, let's, hey, go, let's go somewhere. She says, well, I'm not ready to go. I won't tell you everything she says. I'm not ready to go. She doesn't want to go out looking like that because what would somebody think, dear Lord? Amen? But you know, as I tell her all the time, it doesn't matter what you have on, you're always beautiful to me. He went on to say that the world might believe in you. In fact, that they would know that you sent you. Why? Because of the unity. You know, how blessed it is when brethren come together in unity. The same glory you gave me, I gave them. Now, I want you to understand something about the glory of God. You know, it is so awesome to have the glory of God, you know, manifest in our lives. I remember there was a time in my life that, you know, I was just praying, and I said, Lord, I just want to experience your glory. And I was working at Calvary Cathedral at that particular time, and I was, you know, doing some maintenance work. 
and I walked into this one area where part of the ceiling had fallen in. And one of the guys that was working with me, you know, he said, what do you think that is? I said, I don't know, maybe we need to go upstairs and find out. Maybe they were doing some work upstairs. Maybe they were, you know, uh, taking out part of the foundation upstairs to do some work. I didn't know. I wasn't sure. And so he went up there and he came back down and I'm telling you, his eyes were about as big as, you know, silver dollars. I mean, he was just so wide eyed. And he goes, you won't believe what's up there. And I said, well, what? He goes, you have to see it for yourself. So I'm in, I mean, I scooted up the stairs and halfway up the stairs, I smelt this familiar fragrance I had smelled before. And it smelt so much sharper, so much fresher than walking into a flower shop. Anybody ever walk into a flower shop? Boy, it just smells so good. I mean, the, the scents was like 10 times sharper than that, 10 times fresher than going into the flower shop. And I looked at him and I said, Byron, that's the fragrance of God. He said, is that what that is? I said, that's the fragrance of God. I know that smell. He said, well, wait until you get all the way upstairs. And I went upstairs and there was a cloud just hovering over, and you could smell the fragrance of God, and I knew it was the glory of God, and I just jumped right into it. I said, man, this is the Shekinah glory of God. Isn't this so awesome, you know? You know, and he got wide-eyed again. He said, you know, it's so, it's so interesting. He said, you get into that cloud, and it's almost like you're transparent. Something happens. You begin to kind of glow in that cloud, you know? Well, I was glad there wasn't a nuclear reaction during that time, you know? But nevertheless, you know, I was in the glory of God. I said, this is the glory of God. So I got out and he got in. I said, man, you're glowing too. Isn't that wonderful? But as we began to converse and stuff, all of a sudden our conversation changed. You know, and I learned something so valuable at that time. Our conversation began to, you know, talk about what we were experiencing, what was going on, you know. And basically the truth is we started to murmur and complain. Yes, I murmured and complained. And all of a sudden that cloud was gone just like that. And I knew God was displeased. And I asked the Lord, I said, man, we did wrong. We sinned. And I asked God to forgive me. And when he did, that cloud came right back. And I'm telling you, it was awesome. And I learned a valuable lesson, and that is this is the lesson God I learned from God. God wants me to focus on him and not let other things around me distract me from the glory of God. And that's what God wants for you. He wants you to be so focused on him so that you can experience his glory. But the other thing is in this so that we can all experience the glory. And the glory also represents the wealth of God. What was the word that Charles Camp gave several years ago? And we are now entering into that season that there's going to be a major transfer of wealth. Amen. And as we don't allow those things to distract us and we begin to love ourselves, you know, the more you love yourself, the more you can love somebody else. Right. You know, it doesn't really matter what somebody thinks about you when you are so secure in what God thinks about you. It really doesn't matter what people think. You know, I just, I, I just can't tell you how, how much God is just moving in my life here recently. And this morning I was just thinking about these divine reversals that God's going to do. We got that word a few weeks ago from Jerry Savelle that there's going to be some divine reversals. And I just began to laugh. 
and laugh and laugh. He said, what's so funny? Well, what's so funny is the things that people try to put on us or stop us or how the enemy tried to use them. And I'm just laughing because God's going to turn it around. Glory to God. Amen. I can laugh about those things because I'm more secure in God than I ever have been. And that's why it's the gift that keeps on giving. God doesn't want you to stay where you're at. He's thankful for where you're at, but keep pressing in and saying, I'm going to receive all that God has for me. Somebody give the Lord a big shout in this place. So Jesus said that they will mature in this oneness, and this is where we grow. So as we grow and as we prosper, it's not about a pastor who's prospering. It's not about the leadership team that's prospering. It's about the body of Christ prospering. As we want to encourage one another to prosper and to increase, we're actually increasing ourselves. And this is what God wants for us in the body of Christ. Amen. Well, one of the things that we see here in the Word of God, I want us to go ahead and, and move on. And I knew I was going to change my message a little bit uh, today as I was restudying it this morning. But I want you to go with me to Romans chapter 8. And this is one of the keys to be able to receive from God. Romans chapter 8. When you get there, uh, say amen. And uh, if your neighbor's not there, tell them what page to go to. Mine's on page 994. Romans chapter 1. I mean Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now, say now, now. when, now. when is this, now. what is it there for, it's there for you to take it right now, this is for you right now, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, how many of you by the show of hands would tell me that you're in Christ, you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, well, all right, he's talking about Jesus. So why would we ever think that God couldn't do something for us? That's what condemnation is. Condemnation is the feeling that God couldn't do it for us. I'm not good enough. That's what condemnation is. Isn't that the, you know, the, uh, the, the voice of the devil telling you you're just not good enough? You know, but God said you're good enough. Well, if God says you're good enough, who are, you going to, who, who are you going to argue with then? If God said it, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who don't, do not walk according to the flesh. What does it mean to walk according to the flesh? What it really means is that you're not paying attention to the outward conditions. You're not letting what's going on in the world distract you from what God has for you. You're not stopping what God's plan is for your life. See, there's only one person who can stop God's plan for your life. And that would be you. You know, as hard as it is for some of us to swallow that responsibility, the truth is that we are our own worst enemy sometimes. And we have to begin to look to God and say, God, what do you say about this situation? And God says, you are my beloved. You are the apple of my eye. You know, when I quote that scripture, this is the day that the Lord has made, I often think he made it just for me, with me on his mind. Well, what about us, Pastor? Well, he did it for you too, but you know what? I'm his favorite. 
Amen? But you should have that same attitude. Because he's no respecter of persons. And if we are one, as Jesus wanted us to be one, that that same glory, that same blessing, that same attitude, the same things that God wants to do for my life, he'll do for you. That's why I say, do you notice what I'm wearing today? Someone says, you're wearing a beautiful red vest, aren't you? I said, no, or red sweater. No, I'm wearing the favor of God. I have the favor of God in my life, and because I have it, you can have it. Amen. Amen. When we pray for one another, we're all not only praying for God to do something special for that person, but we are positioning ourselves for God to do something special for us. That's why we shouldn't compare ourselves one to another. Am I doing okay this morning? There's a gift that keeps on giving, and that is the gift that God loves you with an everlasting, unending love that will never stop. So there is, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And the walk according to the Spirit works like this, okay? Number one, yes, we want to know that inner voice, that leading of the Spirit of God. But number two, the Bible tells us that God and the Spirit and the Word are one. So, you know, in order to walk in the Spirit, we also must be walking according to the Word of God. You know, and when we're walking according to the Word of God and we're taking on God's attributes, we're literally washing away the ungodly attributes that we once walked in. That's what it means that we have been transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We're being transformed. We're being transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light when we are allowing the word of God to wash us and to cleanse us and we begin to take on what God's attribute says about us. You know, one of the things that I like to share with people who have been you know, involved in some type of addiction or, or other areas. And, and I always use my mom as an example in this particular area, but my mom smoked cigarettes for many, many years. I don't know how many years. And one day she called me. She said, I want to talk to you as a pastor, not as my son. I said, okay. And she said, I am so struggling so much with these cigarettes. And she said, I just don't understand why I just can't get over. I pray and I pray and I pray and I want to get over this addiction. And I said, well, number one, Mom, I said, you need to start seeing yourself as an overcomer. I said, who is the woman at 40 years old, we moved, you worked a year and a half during that time, you drove 120 miles every day and got your teaching degree in four years? Who would that be? Of course, that was my mom. She said, well, that was me. I said, well, Mom, if you can do that, you can overcome cigarettes. So she had to get her self-esteem built up. And I said, and every time that you're tempted to light a cigarette or every time you light a cigarette, you know, just say, I'm free from this. I'm free from this. Don't worry about it anymore. Just tell yourself you're free from it. And she said about two weeks later, she she had quit smoking. She didn't tell me. And then about two months later, she said, I did exactly what you said. Every time I picked up a cigarette, I said, thank you, Lord, I'm free from this. And she said, all of a sudden, I picked up cigarettes less and less and less until one day I didn't want a cigarette anymore. And that's what you do. You say, Lord, I'm the righteousness of God. You know, 
And this sin is not a part of me in Jesus' name. This negative area of my life, I just tell it, you get behind me in Jesus' name. I'm more than an overcomer in this life. And if you slip up and you fall into it, just ask God to forgive you and do it again. You wash yourself with the righteousness of God and it will deliver you from the unrighteousness. That's the, key. That's the goodness of God. That's why God says for all those who are heavy laden, what are you heavy laden with? Are you heavy laden with the burdens of life? Probably. Are you heavy laden with, you know, the, uh, the, some of the things that are going on in this world? Probably. But what is the thing that gives us more, that more heavy laden than anything else? And that's the sins that are in our, in our lives. And God said, come to me, all those who are heavy laden. Can I put it this way? All of those who are heavy laden with sin, you're burdened down with sin, you're condemned with sin, come to me and I will cleanse you of all of that. Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so we get so involved in trying to cleansing ourselves when we need to go into the very presence of God and let God do the cleansing and believe the word of God that says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Tell your neighbor you've been redeemed. God has redeemed you. That's what Psalms 107 says. Psalms 107 says it like this. It says, uh, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And that's the key when you're struggling. I'm redeemed. I'm free. I'm the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The message says it like this. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying black cloud. Isn't that what it feels like? You know, oh, I'm just not good enough to receive from God. Quit saying that. You are good enough. A new power is in operation. So I want you to declare this. I am free from my past sins, addictions, harmful attitudes, and misleading conceptions of myself. Go with me to verse 9, Romans 8, verse 9. Look at this. But if God himself... Now, I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible. But if God himself has taken up residency in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Now, I just want to share this, okay? Um, Vicki, you need to put your hand over your ears, okay? But the, there was a time I had other girlfriends before I got married. I want to clarify that. I, you know, but when I found the true love of my life, Vicki, you know what? I quit thinking about those other girls. And my wife just said, it's a good thing. <laughs> and not only that, but I don't think about them anymore. Because I found the true love of my life. Well, how much more if you start thinking about the real true love of your life, yeah. your father, yes. that you won't be thinking about the past. Right. That's what God wants you. That's the place he wants you. As you begin to think and dwell on the true love of God, there is no past. Because, you know, the Bible says God has forgiven you and your sins are separated from you as far as the east is from the west. 
that means, you know what, he doesn't really remember them anymore. In fact, the truth is, when you were water baptized, you buried that old man. And when he came up out of the water, you were a new creature in Christ Jesus. So, but God, but if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed the invisible, but clearly presence, uh, invisible, but clearly present God, the course who has not, well, I'm just, I'm just messing up. Let me start all over. But if God himself has taken up residency in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed the invisible but clearly presence of God, the Spirit of Christ won't know what we're talking about. But for you who welcome him in whom he dwells, even though you experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. On whose terms? God's terms. It stands a reason, doesn't it, that the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life. He'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. And when God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus. I love that in the parentheses right there. It says it again. And he does as surely as he lived in Jesus. Tell your neighbor God lives in you much, as much as he lived in Jesus. You are delivered from that dead life. Look at that. You are delivered from that dead life. It's not you will be. You are. And if you are, you are. And with his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ. Hallelujah. You know, we, you know the, the New King James says it like this. If the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it will, it has already quickened your mortal body. Amen. And so that's why the Word of God says that when we are led by the Spirit, we will fulfill the law of God. And what are the two most important laws of God? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And when you do that, it will fulfill all the laws of God. So let's make this declaration. My past will not dictate my future. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I don't know about you, but I, I'm just enjoying this message. Ephesians chapter 1, starting with verse 3. Paul's writing to the church there in Ephesus. And he said, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Let's stop one more time. Let's look at that again. Put your hands on your head and say, Mind, comprehend what the Word of God is saying here. Who has blessed you, who has blessed you with every spiritual blessing. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. 
just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. You know what this is saying? Number one, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. It's already been done. So why would you forfeit it? Why would you turn away from it? It's already been given to you. Secondly, he chose you. You didn't chose him. In fact, when God was, and he always has been, he chose you. For thousands of years, he's already chosen you. You know what that really means? That means God's already made his mind up. You are his. He doesn't care what you've done. He doesn't care where you've been. You're his. Well, how do I get to be a part of that? By just coming to him. That's all you have to do. How simple this gift is that keeps on giving. So just keep coming to him. Thirdly, he's predestined you. You know what he's predestined you? He's predestined you that his will can be accomplished in your life. How many of you know that God's will is better than our own will? Anybody ever come to the conclusion that God might be a little smarter than us? That his plan may be a little better than our own plan? That's why he taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. And the last thing, this is saying, that you're accepted in the beloved. Now, I'm going to just share this, but that word beloved, when you break it down, means beloved. You know what God's greatest passion is? For you to receive his love. That's his greatest passion. He wants you to receive all of his blessing. He's blessed you with every spiritual blessing. He chose you before the foundation of the earth, and he wants you to allow him to love you. That's all God wants. Anybody a candidate for that? Man, I am. I'm going to let God love me today. I'm going to let God love me tomorrow. I'm going to let God love me every day. I'm going to let God show off his love for me. I'm going to let God bless me. I'm going to experience all that God has for my life. How about you? We're moving on in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 12. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the disposition of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him we also have attained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. You know, that's telling me we've been redeemed. We have been bought. We have been purchased. Secondly, we have been forgiven. Tell your neighbor you've been forgiven. Don't live in the past. Live in the future. He's given us all wisdom and prudence. 
Now the word wisdom here translated from the Greek means a broad and full of intelligence. Mm. Broad and full of intelligence. Broad means wide. Wide, in other words, unending intelligence. Tell your neighbor, you're a genius. If you have the wisdom of God, why wouldn't you be a genius? All right. Also means the use of knowledge for very diverse matters. You know, you won't ever face anything that God doesn't have an answer to. Let me say that again. You will never face anything that God doesn't have an answer to. And isn't his spirit in you? Well, then in the, isn't the answer to anything and everything you face, isn't it on the inside of you? Now, I wouldn't recommend this to everyone, but uh, I went and uh, when I moved to Texas, they had me start driving the bus for the bus ministry. And so when I went to exchange my, uh, transfer my Missouri license to the Texas license, you know, I mean, you know, I'm just one of those guys. I tell everybody everything. Yeah, I'm up here, and I said, I'm starting to drive the bus for our church and stuff. And the lady said, well, you need to get a commercial license. I said, well, I haven't studied for a commercial license. She said, well, why don't you just take the test and see what happens? So I took the commercial license for the test, and as I was taking that test, I was praying in the Spirit. I said, God, you know every one of these answers. And by the wisdom of God, I passed that test without studying. Amen. Then I had to take the driving test. I thought anybody can drive a bus. If you can drive a tractor, you can drive a bus, right? Well, not in Fort Worth. But anyway. But you know, that was a moment that I needed God's help. That I didn't have the answer to. But he knew how to pass a commercial driver's license test. Like I said, you know, I really recommend you study to show yourself approved. But if you're ever in a situation where you don't have time to get the knowledge, God already knows the answer. So it says, um, given all wisdom and prudence. Wisdom is not only the knowledge of very diverse matters, but look at this. Skills in the management of affairs. Skills in the management of affairs. Of affairs. How many of you have things you need to take care of in this life? Amen. He is going to give you the, the ability to manage these affairs in your life so you always come out ahead. That's what wisdom is. But now prudence. Mm. That means understanding and knowledge and holy love of the will of God. I want the knowledge of God's holy love, don't you? And that's what prudence means there. So he's given you wisdom and prudence. He's given you an inheritance. An inheritance. An inheritance. Well, you, well, you know, how do I get an inheritance? Well, most of us get an inheritance when someone dies. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus died and he rose from the dead so that he can distribute his own will for you. Isn't that wonderful? Nobody has to go to court and fight over the will of of God for your life. Amen. He's, he is the executor of his own will for your life. 
and that's life abundantly and without measure. Amen? And so this is what he came for, to give you uh, an inheritance and to predestine you according to the purpose of his will. God has a purpose for you, and it is a good purpose. And the last thing it says here in Ephesians, see if I can get to it here real quick, Ephesians chapter 1. No, I'm going to start here in verse 15 and read through 22. Therefore I also, after I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Far above. You are so far above. All principalities and powers and mights and dominions and every name that's named only in this age, but also that which is to come. And he's put all things under his feet to give him to be the head over all things. You have been given the ability to be the head over all things. He's placed you far above, and he has empowered you far above all things that could ever come against your life. One last scripture I'd like to share with you, if I may, Ephesians 3, 14 through 20. For this reason, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, be strengthened with might through his spirit and inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, and the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes all, all knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now unto him who can do and able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh within us. That's God's plan for your life. That's the gift that keeps on giving. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.